Wade Fenikak is unquestionably South Africa's most accomplished athlete of all time. He's the only runner in the world to break 10 seconds for the 100 meters, 20 seconds for the 200 meters, and 44 seconds for the 400 meters. Yet he might not even be the most famous person in his extended family. Springbok World Cup winner Chilton Colby is Wade's cousin, and the two famously won medals at the 2016 Rio Olympics. And in 2020, Wade was hoping to defend his 400 meters title that he so famously won in world record time four years ago. That will have to wait for at least another year now. The 2020 Olympic Games postponement due to the coronavirus pandemic has given Wade more time to prepare for that defense in Tokyo in 2021. But after nearly two frustrating years on the sidelines due to injury, he was demonstrating good return to form earlier this year. So while he's confined to training without competition, Wade has taken time out to join me, Craig Ray, on the Maverick Sports Podcast this week. Wade, welcome to the show. <laughs> Good day, Craig. Thanks for having me. How do you feel when you hear that still? <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely still brings a lot of butterflies and, and nerves to me listening to it. And I guess I'm not listening to the commentator's words as well. It, it definitely does eat deep sometimes listening to it. How many times have you watched that race since? To be honest with you, at doing all sorts of like events and stuff, it's it's probably been a lot of times like doing all sorts of interviews and a lot of associations with corporates and so on and sponsorships and so on whenever we do events they basically play the race so i've totally lost count by now i totally lost count well we'll come back to the race a little bit later because i mean that is probably the sort of highlight of your career but you know i, I said in the intro there was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek yeah. chesnan colby's cousin. <laughs> people that don't know that and i'm sure very few people don't know that these days but did you guys um hang out together as, as kids did you play a lot of sport against each other with each other yeah we we definitely did especially back when when we were younger and i still stayed in cape town with my father and and my parents and so on um we basically spent quite a lot of time together and we're in the same school and grade together as well so we were always somewhere on the sports field playing together and so on what people don't know is that i actually have the better step <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah it's 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 crazy how life works out and even when when i get to speak to him and, and i think we both sometimes just sit in awe thinking of how life turned out and from our humble beginnings to where we are today it's it's crazy the blessings that awaited us being grown-ups and adults today well, you obviously come from good genes in terms of athletic genes. I mean, Cheslin's obviously a remarkable athlete, although you have the better step, as you've told us. So yeah. <laughs> did you ever play rugby um, like at any sort of serious? I know you went to great college, so maybe yeah, yeah. maybe rugby was part of your school. Yeah, I've, rugby is definitely... I was actually, I mean, growing up in Cape Town and, and being a young boy, rugby was 
the sport that we all drifted to. That was the sport that we all were going to end up getting our breakthrough or opportunity at. So rugby was definitely one of my main focuses when I was younger. But I guess it started becoming a bit difficult when uh, my family and I moved around a lot. And I guess to make those first teams in, in grade schools, like uh, I was in St. Andrews at a stage and then I moved to Gray afterwards. I was in Midrand, Johannesburg for about a year and so on. And to get that stability, mm. it was very difficult because um, I guess in Gray, the teams are like somewhat set up from grade eight or from first year in high school already i think they even start scouting the guys from primary school already and i basically came to gray in grade nine and it was very difficult because i mean you far from being a known sports person in this in the school that time and i tried obviously playing rugby and so on but it, it was difficult to go through the ranks because there's like what like five six seven teams so i would probably end up starting in the the e team after my athletic season and when i get to build up a few teams it's it's the end of the season already so the the rugby dream started becoming smaller and uh, i guess i i had then the blessing to try and focus more on an individual sport and i guess that's where i started shifting my focus on track and field and it eventually started becoming my my main focus and and my my motivation to get my springbok colors through another sport and i guess it it ended up working out for the better <laughs> <laughs> it certainly has worked out pretty well but yeah. I, I guess the team sport element of rugby or any other team sport you don't really have that in athletics i would imagine it's really yeah long hours of training you know for the 44 seconds we see you on the track yeah uh, yeah you've probably done 4400 hours of training for those 44 seconds how, how difficult is athletics training because i hear you know there's a lot of great athletes but they're just not disciplined enough for athletics training because it's that hard yeah yeah i guess it's i think it's it's a conditioning thing i mean if if a rugby player has to come and do a few training sessions with me he'd probably die but then if i end up doing a rugby session with a rugby player i'd end up dying because your body is somewhat conditioned for track and field where his body is conditioned for the rugby movements where a football player would be conditioned for what's expected from him as a footballer and i guess that also led to me now thinking back to it that's what led to me getting injured playing rugby because your body's not conditioned for for those type of, of movements anymore the way it was when you were younger because i mean like you mentioned you you invest thousands of hours into a specific movement and a specific uh, sport and then you go in and do something totally different to what your body is, is, is designed for and what your body's been trained for and then obviously that leads to injuries and so on so i really believe that it, it depends on i guess the sport you do and how your body will react and handle those movements and stuff i mean if you invest in that, obviously in that space or that area, then then your body will eventually start mastering the movements expected from you as a rugby player or as a track star, as a football star. And yeah, I hope that answers your question because I feel like hmm. it all depends on that specific in-depth detail movements that you need in your specific sports and you touched on it there that injury you picked up it was probably late 2017 playing a charity touch rugby game at newlands um, yeah in in retrospect it probably wasn't the best uh, thing to do but not at all yeah what actually i mean you did your acl that's your anterior cruciate ligament yeah uh, just talk us through how the injury happened <laughs> i mean let's be honest growing up in cape town and being a cape boy 
having the opportunity to just be on Newlands and just experiencing it the way I did that day is a very exciting and also being able to rub shoulders against really South African iconic sportsmen like Benny McCarthy, JP Dumini, and there was a few more great sports people of South Africa. And I really, I was just really like somewhat soaked into the moment and, and just, I guess, appreciating the fact that I'm associated with such South African great sports people that you become very ignorant to the the dangers that it can obviously bring to you and later on you 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 start sitting back and analyzing but at the same time to be honest with you I don't have any regrets because I mean as a, a sportsman you 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 need to enjoy yourself you need to experience life and appreciate what it, it, it has for you and I feel like that was just one of my moments where I had to experience life and these things just make you stronger I just have to not use it as a as a downfall but I just use it as motivation and strength to overcome whatever challenges and difficulties this process brought to me and it has been a long road back yeah you missed the entire 2018 year yeah. through this injury and I don't know if there were any other setbacks along the way yeah but you you came back earlier this year you did a couple of races in the free state and and you were looking good there I think you know your, your times were decent you can tell us about those but you know all with an eye to the Olympic Games and that's that's obviously changed but just you ran 100 meters earlier this year as well if I'm not mistaken what was your goal for this year were you only going to do the 400 again or was there a bigger plan yeah yeah well I guess for myself and and, and coach uh, our focus was definitely getting back to the 400 meters and focusing on on breaking my world record again. So uh, that's still obviously my plan to get the sub 43, yeah. and that's where where our minds were focused on. And and, I, and both of us kind of came in agreement, saying let's put 110 percent in focusing on on breaking the world record again and then eventually we can take a step back and, and and start investing in the hundreds and 200s again but obviously the athlete that coach and i believe i am i need to do a few hundreds and 200 because that's what kind of gets me going that gets my body ticking i i thrive out of wanting to compete against the fastest men in the world and that's where you find them in the 100 and 200 and that helps me a lot with my confidence and with my raw speed so we were always going to touch on a bit of, of hundreds and we were always going to touch on a bit of 200s, but not as serious as how we were focusing on the 400 meters and how we're still focusing on the 400 meters. And then I guess after that, I'll start investing more time again in the 100 and 200, the same way I did prior to the, the injury, where I obviously initially started off with a lot of 400s also due to injuries. And then once the 400s started becoming a norm and, and a comfortable feeling again, and then I started investing in the 100 and 200. And I think we're slowly but surely going to try that same approach and, and try not to change too much and, and see where that takes us. You've touched on it there, breaking the 43-second barrier. I mean, not so long ago, the 44-second barrier was, was out of sight. And now the 43-second barrier is in, <laughs> in sight. And I spoke to Edwin Moses, the great 400-meter hurdler, and I asked him if you would ever break it. And, and he was pretty sure you would, assuming you came back from your injury and you know better. And I guess based on your previous comments, we can assume that that's going pretty well. Let's go to that Olympic final. You're in lane eight, which is the outside lane, and you run a 43.03. Perfect conditions that night, but lane eight's not the ideal lane, is it? There's less of a tight turn, which I suppose helps, but on the other hand, you can't see the competitors. You're running out blind. Yeah. So 
what would the optimal conditions be for braking 43 seconds? What lane would you need to be in? What kind of condition? <laughs> um, I mean, if you ask me about lane eight and ask me what would be the optimal uh, conditions or the, the perfect conditions for me to break the record, uh, I'll probably not mention lane eight. Mm. So I guess it's really just about the day, the moment, perfect conditions, which I prefer the warmer conditions, obviously. And I guess uh, being through the lane eight experience now tells me that, okay, if I get it again, then why not? Let's just go for it. But I, I'm not totally in favor of lane one and two. I can I can do any lane out of that. But I'm not too fussy, to be honest with you. I'm not too fussy. I've done great times in all sorts of lanes and so on. But I guess for me, it's really just about the opportunity and, and the perfect day, perfect condition, perfect feel. And if all of that feels good and, and links well, then I'll go out and give it my best. That's just how I've always been. And that's just how my mind is set. When I have my opportunity, I want to take it and give it my all and see what happens when I cross the finish line. To break a world record, to run fast times, you need competitors who are pushing you and in that final and for the last few years i mean yep. karani james and the sean merritt you couldn't have had two better competitors i mean james has also broken 43.5 seconds and, yeah yeah and uh, i think the sean merritt's pb is around 43.6 so these are seriously fast athletes <laughs> i mean that's vital isn't it yeah, to have yeah. to have that kind of competition yeah i mean i've got i've spoke i think uh, a few weeks ago on an interview as well where I was asked about um, my 400-meter race. And, and I had to mention the fact that LaShawn Merritt and, and Kirani James played a massive role in me pushing myself to the limits, pushing myself to the lengths that I did. Because, I mean, these are two guys that somewhat set the standard before I even touched the international stages. And these are the guys that were week in, week out, dominating the 400 meters and dominating the track. They became household names for every single sports lover, track star. And I knew that the moment I get my break and the moment I get the opportunity to compete against the two of them, it's not going to be one of that there would be a walk in the pocket. It should be one where my standard needs to be world-class. My standard needs to be at a level where I can compete against these guys. And I guess um, thinking back to Rio as well, I guess the reason why I pushed so hard on that last 100 meters was knowing the quality I'm competing against because I've been watching them prior Olympics. I've been fans of theirs. I've been I've been an admirer of them and, and their work and so on. And watching their races before me even being able to compete against them, I knew it was always going to be a nail-biting race. And... I always knew that if I have to run against them, it's not going to be a walk in the park. And and I guess knowing that and always being aware of that in terms of competition and, and knowing the quality you're competing against, it definitely did push me to my limits and to my, I guess, capabilities to be able to somewhat break the record one day. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing is Karani James is roughly your age. I think he might even be a few months younger than you. So <laughs> younger, he's gonna, yeah. yeah, he's going to be around for a while pushing you. So. That's good. For sure. Uh, with the Olympic Games next year. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited to get back, and uh, I know that he also went through a bit of a, a difficult time now with sicknesses and so on. This last few years, and I use that a lot. 
I use that as well as a, as inf- inspiration for myself and motivation for myself, knowing that he's out there fighting. He's out there going through a difficult time. And, and if he can overcome it, I can as well. Because last year, he came back on the track and he made the finals at the World Championships. And and I, I saw it as inspiration and I saw it as motivation for, for, for myself as well. Yeah. And, and, and now you're saying Bolt is gone. I mean, he's obviously been the face of athletics in many ways for a long, long time. But I know you have a, a, quite a close friendship with Usain Bolt, and he was quite vocal in sort of saying Wade Finnegan's got to be the next me in, in, I suppose, as the face of athletics. But his personality and your personality seem different. I don't know for sure because I don't know either of you guys that well. But yeah, yeah. he seems far more outgoing and, you know, he stands in the, in, on the starting line and talks and laughs and jokes. Is it difficult to have that sort of pressure that Usain's kind of put on you by anointing you as the next superstar of athletics? I won't lie. I guess initially it was a bit difficult because, I mean, it comes onto you and, and everyone is way just took over from you saying he'll be the next star and he's our next big track star and we believe Wade will be able to follow into Usain steps and immediately you need to switch into what has Usain done to create this legacy of being the great sports sportsman not just track a star but sportsman you start thinking of characteristics that he has and qualities that he has that that makes him who he is and 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 thinking okay how can i relate to that and how can i bring wade into what usain is bringing and and it, it slowly but surely creates a massive stress and it becomes a big downfall for yourself and immediately i had to take a step back and and just reflect and say to myself but I'm not trying to be the next Usain. I'm trying to be the next Wade van Niekerk and I'm trying to be the best Wade van Niekerk that I can be. And if I'm going to get stuck onto trying to do what Usain's been doing, uh, I might not reach my fullest potential and my best potential that I can. And, and immediately I had to sit back and say, but in the next 10 years, I want people to say, but what do I have to do to be the next weight for Nikerk? And I need to stay focused on where I want to go and what I want to achieve and, and use Usain as inspiration, not as an example. And use Usain as motivation and as a, as a mentor and not to try and emulate what he's done in the sports, but to try and improve it and to do better than what he has. Because, I mean, what he, this, we all know the standard that he set out in the world is massive. So, obviously, the, the to fill up shoes like that, it's going to put a lot of pressure on you. So, immediately, I had to tell myself that Usain has done what he's done and I need to focus on what I want in life. And, and, and I think that's how I'll be able to create my legacy and how I'll be able to create a legacy that will last in my name and what I love and what I'm good at. Fantastic. And yeah, with the Olympics being postponed, how much is that a good or a bad thing for you? Obviously, you were coming back from this long injury, so yeah, perhaps yeah. it's given you more time. Although, mm-hmm. you know, I know your athletes work to sort of a strict peaking period, and you would have yeah, yeah. had your plans around August this year for that. How much of an adjustment has it been? Is it a setback or is it a bonus? Well, I mean, you can see it as a setback and a bonus because the reality is that we need the competition to improve ourselves and to better ourselves and to push ourselves to to limits to grow and 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 improve us on the track. I mean, you can do you can only do so much uh, off the track and you can only work day in and day out on the track, but you won't be able to push yourself to the limits that what a race would do. And it's definitely, I guess a good and a bad because you want to get back on the track you want to compete again and you want to see where you lay 
amongst the world's best. But at the same time, the reality is we are not there right now and we we can't compete right now. So obviously you need to draw towards what positives are there for me now as an athlete to focus on and, and where I need to focus to improve myself so that when I get the opportunity again on the track that I'm 110% ready and, and ready to compete against the best of the world again. And like I mentioned earlier, again, challenging my record and actually being the first person to break sub uh, 43. So you've got about a year. Hopefully there'll be some athletics either late this year or early next year for uh, meets, but everything will be focused on the Olympic Games again in 2021. I guess we can't predict the future, but do you see yourself doing one more Olympics, the 2024 Olympics? Do you see that in your future? And maybe as you earlier alluded to, doing maybe a 200 meters or 100 meters in those Olympics? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel I still have a lot to do. I still have a lot to achieve in the sport and and I'd definitely love to touch on improving my 400 meter time and then also compete against the raw speed of the 100 and 200 meter athletes. Uh, I definitely would love to go on as long as I'm winning, as long as I'm doing well and, and competing at a high standard, I'll definitely want to continue competing. So you travel around the world normally, obviously we're in, in different times at the moment. Yeah. Uh, when you're on, on the circuit going to Diamond League meetings and that European season and all over the world, how lonely is it or do you, I mean, do you share good friendships with the guys you compete against or your fellow South African teammates? Yeah, yeah. What sort of uh, groups do you hang out in? Yeah, well, we've we've actually got quite a good uh, setup going uh, in Italy, actually, where we've got quite a lot of uh, South African athletes there and quite a lot of now and then we'll have a few international athletes wanting to come through and training with some of the guys. So I know a lot of the guys internationally would be Rashu Al-Samai and uh, Kani Sambini. So plus there'll still be some of the youngsters coming through in track and field as well around there and, and, and also some of the, the top guys that currently is performing in South Africa. So we, we can easily end up being a group of 10 over there in, in, in Italy and it, it kind of makes it a bit easy because we all end up going to the same competitions and we all end up traveling together so it doesn't totally get like very lonely but I mean I enjoy it because that's where, where I kind of switch on and that's where I reshift my focus towards pure competition pure uh, hard work training and, and, and I feel like you somewhat isolate yourself from the world and, and, and just focus on what needs to be done. And I think that helps me a lot when, when, when going to Italy and just focusing on, on where I want to go. And for athletes, I mean, you're an Olympic champion, you're famous, you, I presume you make a decent living, but how difficult is it, especially in those early years when you were doing the, mm -hmm. the circuit and making a name for yourself, how difficult is it financially to, to travel, to, to get from one meeting to another? Yeah, yeah, it must have been yeah. tough at first. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely very tough. That's why I'm so grateful for my family and uh, my team that, that just stuck with me all these years and just... Uh, kept on believing in me. I mean, the sacrifices that my parents had to make to simply just get me around the world to compete and so on. It's it's really such a massive honor today now to sit back and say, wow, I can honor my parents. I can thank my parents for the contributions that they've 
done in my life and 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 the investments that they've made for me as a sports person to be at this level that I am today and I'll forever be grateful to them for believing in me and allowing me to go out and and chase my dream because today there's such a massive blessing to this for us now and such a massive so much opportunities for us in in every way be it business or the associations that we're busy building today it's it's been a massive blessing to be able to experience it the way I have. And I mean, till the day I die, I'll continue honoring them and thanking them for the opportunity that they've give me, given me. And you mentioned your mother there, uh, your parents, but your mother, Dessa Swartz, was a very uh, good sprinter herself. Women play a strong role in your life. Tani Ans, your coach. Obviously, your mom, just first of all, you got quite good genes from her. Just uh, how much of an influence did your mom have on your athletics career? Yeah, I, I, obviously, the love that she has for the sport and the love that I've kind of rubbed off from her it's definitely played a massive role just seeing the talent that she had and then also just those little experiences and stories that she always tells me about when she competed and when she had the opportunity to run and compete and so on it definitely does spark or, or give you somewhat of an advantage in terms of the knowledge and the experience and the and the mentality of when you are competing at these high levels and high standards and just being able to think back to all the little basics that they taught you and the basics that that I today apply to, to, to my life that somewhat became second nature today it really did help me a lot to be able to center my focus and, and my dreams and my wishes on track and and be able to push my body to the limits that I have today. It's definitely in honor of who they are and what they've done in my life. Wait, as we wrap up, what what are you hoping? Yeah, what's the best case scenario for athletics this year? We in the in the middle of twenty twenty. Are you are you hoping to get some competitions in this year before before the years are? Well, there there is a somewhat of a, a a schedule. People would love to get back to competing in. We as athletes would obviously as well love to get back to normal again but i think there's going to be a lot of fear and and paranoia going around to not get the virus i guess and not spread the virus and not make anything worse but i guess somewhat you need to eventually start accepting our realities and 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 getting back into life and and seeing how we can uh survive with the virus and how we can get things done with the virus i mean we also excited to see the premier league start again and we're so excited (laughs) to see the tennis matches and the f1s to get back again and i have to sometimes pinch myself and say but i'm in that category as well where people are excited to to see us compete again and 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 run again and and get sports running again i mean us sports lovers know how much we want to see sports again i end up watching highlights of sports basically all day long and just blindly watching it for no reason and and it just shows how much we love the sports and i guess we all just need to find ways to cope with this and 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 see where it takes us and i know you're a big liverpool fan as am i <laughs> are they going to get it after 30 years we're glad they're getting back on the field to complete the job aren't you yeah <laughs> uh, it's already ours i think <laughs> we just need to uh wait for the perfect time to go and celebrate Fantastic. Wade for Nikak. It's been a great pleasure having you on the Maverick Sports Podcast this week. Good luck with the training and we hope to see you back on track very soon. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me.
This podcast is made possible by our Maverick Insiders. Please consider becoming part of our Maverick Insider community, where for a nominal fee every month, you are supporting quality independent journalism. You also get some cool benefits, such as Uber vouchers when the coronavirus pandemic subsides, and engagement with our journalists thrown in. Please go to dailymaverick.co.za forward slash insider to sign up and become part of the Maverick Insider community. Also remember to sign up to our Maverick Sports newsletter, which hits your inbox on a Monday, and never miss another podcast by signing up via your favorite platform. I'm Craig Gray. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Mm-hmm.